You're listening to It's All Dead, a podcast about the music we love and why we love it. I'm Kyle Hawk. Welcome to It's All Dead, a uh, podcast about music. I'm Kyle Hawk, Editor-in-Chief at itsalldead.com. Thank you for joining us. I've uh, got a fun podcast lined up for you today and uh, plenty more on the way, too. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, if you haven't been to itsalldead.com lately, uh, check it out. And uh, we've got some uh, new album reviews up. Uh, Kyle just wrote a review on the new Newfound Glory covers album uh, that's out. Plus, we've also got our last podcast on the new Taylor Swift track. If you haven't checked that out, uh, you may do so now at our website, itsalldead.com, or uh, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Just pull it up, hit subscribe, listen to us talk into the microphone. Um, and of course, leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. Um, it is springtime, and that's exciting. I uh, am looking forward to like starting to dig into, I guess, some of my spring favorites uh, now that we're finally out of the, the cold months and the warm weather is here. I feel like this is the time of year where I'm always going back to some of those old like pop punk classic albums. I like just good, like summer weather, sunshine, windows down uh, vibe type albums. Um, and the, the band we're going to be talking about tonight uh, fits that bill in a lot of ways as well. And we'll of course get into all that, but before we do, uh, I'm joined tonight by Nadia, um, our favorite, it's all dead writer and reviewer and, all that stuff. Uh, hi, Nadia. What's going on? Well, we are doing a podcast and, on a band that both of us like, and we might like them maybe for even different reasons, which could make this conversation really interesting. I was going to say, I feel like we're going to differ a lot this time. Yeah. And we usually, well, you know, we differed on the Copeland one too. This one, I just, I know we will because of the the time difference i think of like when we fell in love with this band but it's they've got a lot of music there's a lot to talk about because they're still making music we were recording this on a wednesday may 8th and just yesterday last night i believe uh they released a new ep we're going to be talking about emory um and i think since you started writing for the site we've talked about doing an emory podcast um it's just taken this long to finally do it but I feel like that was one of the first bands that we both realized that we really liked. Yeah, definitely. And I've got uh, an interesting history with this band, uh, which we'll talk about. And of course, we'll rank the albums like we always do. We'll share our top 10 favorite songs. And one of the things I'm going to share uh, before we go into this, like I mentioned, Emory is still alive and well. Uh, they're still making music. Uh, I think it was... Was it last year that we had Matt Carter of Emory on the podcast? It might have been last year or the year before, but, um, you know, I, I still follow this band. I follow these guys, but this is a band. And we talk about every time we do one of these podcasts where we kind of rank the albums and talk through the discography, I always like to preface with, you know, we're not picking favorites here. I mean, we're picking favorites, but it's not that we don't like the albums that aren't ranked high. Emory is a band that, I really, really, really love some of their music. Like there's at least two albums of theirs that are two of my favorite albums of all time. There are also some that I just never listened to and am not that interested in continuing to listen in. That doesn't mean I don't like Emory. I love them. They're one of my favorite bands. Um, and I'm glad that they're still making music. I think it's cool that 
you know, so many of the bands that we thought were going to break up and be gone forever get to keep on making music. Um, but this may not be a band that I'm going to, you know, feel the same way I do about their new music as I did the the early music when I first heard it. So it's going to be kind of an interesting conversation in that regard. But before we even get into all that, uh, I want to backtrack. And uh, Nadia, have you talk a little bit about how you first heard Emery and, and got into their music? All right. So you remember that time that we were talking? I don't know. Actually, maybe we were texting. I can't remember. I don't even know if it was on a podcast. Um, remember that radio station that we both are into, Radio U? You almost yes. worked for it, and I wish I did. Um, yeah, so they used to have, like, a TV channel. Well, I think they still do. I haven't looked at it in a while. That's but, right. Yeah, I forgot about yeah, that. Like, it's, like, MTV for, like, cool Christian kids or whatever, I guess. Um, <laughs> and so one day, I saw, like, the Butcher's Mouth video. Mm. I know that's, like, kind of a deep cut, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that, I don't know why it's not even that great of a video. It's just kind of, I, I don't know. But that was the first song I heard by Emery um, with Butcher's Mouth. That is really interesting. Yeah. What what was it that sucked you in about that song specifically? I still don't know. <laughs> it is in my top 10, you know, spoiler alert. It's in my top 10, but I think it's just because of that like nostalgic, you know, feel for it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's just I I feel like in that time that I was I started listening to like Radio U and all that, um, I was kind of going through, you know, my emo phase. Mom, it's not a phase. <laughs> well, not one a- of the things that's interesting is you're not typically into the heavier stuff, and Emory is not always heavy. I mean, they definitely I think are a screamo band and kind of started as that, and they've got some heavier stuff, but they've got lighter stuff too. But this this has got to be like on the heavier end of the spectrum for you, right? So I feel like it's, um, I'm going to make a real confession here. So when I was in high school, I had like older friends and they were all into that stuff. They were all into like August Burns Red and all that stuff. And I was like, yeah, I I listen to hardcore. I listen to metal. I did not. Um, (laughs) But I do now. I did. Like at that point, I was like, well, maybe I probably shouldn't lie about this. And then I started listening to some hardcore. Still don't like as, um, as cities burn, August Burns Red, all of them. I'm not really a huge fan of, but Emily always stuck with me. Yeah. And so there'll be a lot to talk about with them because they're so interesting and different from the other bands that they kind of uh, came of age with um, in a lot of really unique ways, which I think allows them to still make the music that they do now. So my first introduction into Emory was was interesting because, you know, I've talked a lot on this podcast about my love of music videos. And I, uh, you know, when I was growing up, I had a got a TV in my room when I was like in late middle school. Cause I won it at, a, at an event and taught my parents to letting me keep it in my room. And pretty much all the way through high school until I left home, the TV was on MTV. I just love music videos, watch them all the time. And then I went off to college. And uh, one of the things that happened is a lot of bands would put out like DVDs of music videos or different labels would have put out like almost like a compilation album. Only it was a DVD of music videos. And there was, this DVD I bought, and I want to say it was called like X 2004, like Christian Rock Hits or something. Yep. And the, the the reason I bought it was because Under Oath's video for Reinventing Your Exit was on it. And so I was watching all the other videos on this DVD, and it just so happened that one of the bonus videos was for a band called Emory, which I'd never heard of, and the song was called Walls. And I immediately fell in love because I was like, oh, man, they're screaming, but they're singing. And that sounds like the other bands I listened to. And also that video is just wild. I mean, it's like one of the most emo videos of all time with the swoop haircuts and they're swinging their 
instruments around. It's <laughs> it used to like really hit me in the feels back when I <laughs> back when I was I guess of an age where a music video like that would hit me in the feels. But I immediately fell in love with them, and I was telling all of my friends about them. And from that point on, I, I was just hooked. Um, and so I it was right around the time that it was just shortly after I think the Weeks End came out because I think it was released in two thousand three. Um, but yeah, I, just from that point on, I was hooked and I, I followed them pretty much ever since. Although as I'm, as I'll talk about a little bit, uh, my, my main, you know, love of theirs is in, in those early days. So when you, when you saw the video for the butcher's mouth, I'm assuming you went out and found, uh, in shallow seas, we say, I'll listen to that album. Did you go back and listen to the albums before it as well? Or did you just follow them forward from that point? I didn't listen to so um, I listened to the question and the week's end in its entirety for the first time today. What? Yeah. How is that possible? I know. So everybody's like favorite Emory albums are not mine. Um, it's kind of like when we were talking about Copeland and Kyle was like, yeah, I never listened to you or my son. Um, yeah. So yeah, I was a little behind there for a day. Hence, you know, the, I'm doing some research tweet that I made. Um, I have listened to I'm Only a Man, though, so that's not quite what the research was. It was those first two albums. Um, so, but, yeah. but here's the thing with this band, and this is where I kind of, I guess I'm the typical person when it comes to Emery. The Weeks In and The Question are undoubted, undoubtedly, unquestionably, the two albums that this band is known best for. I mean, would you agree with that, like in general conversation? They are. So I'd say, I'd say it's those two, and then I'm Only a Man, and then they kind of... Um, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about like the spiritual aspect of it. They definitely kind of dove into the whole Christian deal. Um, so I yeah. feel like they lost some of their fan base. Yeah, that's fair. And that, I may have had that experience as well. Although I, I don't, I don't know if it really was that. I think I just, Emory was a band and we'll talk about this when we go through the discography. And again, I love these guys. Uh, I, and I really respect everything they do. I can't make that clear enough. But I was listening to Eve today uh, before we did the podcast, because that's the one that came out last year. It's the most okay. recent one. I listened to it when it came out and just never went back to it. Same with You Were Never Alone, the album before that. To me, it just feels like I'm listening to the same band. you know. And I, I know that they've kind of, they've stretched themselves in different ways, but I don't know if they did anything at least since uh, we do what we want, that has caught my ear in such a way of like, oh wow, that's interesting. Um, now I know I'm I, I, I may be in the minority on that because I you know just like we were talking about before we started this podcast, they've got a whole subscription service that they're launching, and there's clearly a huge fan backing to be able to pull off what they're doing now because it's pretty much all crowdfunded. And, and I want to talk about that a little bit later uh, once we get near the end. But there's there's clearly still a market for what this band is doing. And that that's interesting. So um, yeah, I don't know. I know when you reviewed Eve last year, you were almost implying that it may have been your favorite album of theirs. So, you know, it, it's not a bad album. Yeah. So that's why I feel like we're going to differ. Cause I feel like we have very different um, like relationships with the whole like spiritual aspect. I feel like this is the first band that we've talked about. It's like definitely in that very Christian scene, you know? Yeah. So one of the things that was interesting to me, and um, I was just listening, uh, you know, I like to have nights where I will either, you know, put on a record, just kind of like turn the lights out and, and listen to an album. And I did that with the question recently, just to kind of dive back into it. I still love that album. 
-hmm. the week's end i mean i was just so my friends and i were just so enraptured with it when it came out and then the question hit and the question was like everything about the band all the possibilities that they held of what they could be and how they could capture a more melodic sound it was just like a perfect storm of like melodic screamo emo music and one of the interesting things about that album for me is that they are definitely exploring and they've been doing this ever since this album came out is exploring what it means to be associated with christianity and dealing with all the expectations that come from that that was like the beginning point and ever since then they've almost made a career out of like digging in to that concept. I mean, even with the bad Christian podcast and everything else, it's they've leaned into it and they've never really stopped kind of asking those questions. And I think know, that's why it's so relevant for me personally. Yeah. So, so this will be, this will be interesting to get into. Um, let's go ahead. I mean, let's just dive in and let's, let's rank the albums. And I, okay. I'm going to say again, this one is the one of the first one of these I've done where I truly felt like I was being kind of a, a fanboy for the early stuff. And I don't want to be that guy. And I usually like try to not take that angle, but the, the, you know, the first two albums of this band are just that important to me, but I'm before I do mine, I'm going to, I'll let you go first and, and share your rankings. I was going to say it's no problem because I'm going to shake it up enough for everybody. All Let's right. So at number seven, no, actually, you know, before I rank them, I want to say, so you're talking about their, like, um, like their phases as a band. Um, so I'd say they're split up into like I, I like three seasons. So I'd say the weeks end and the question are together. Obviously, they're released a year apart. Not much changed in between that time. Um, I'm only a man in shallow seas. We sail is season two, and then their next three albums are that season three. Yeah. No, I don't know what this next album is going to sound like. Um, I mean, I can't imagine them changing too much. But I mean, I don't know. Obviously, that's super interesting, and I think you've got a really good point there. I've never really thought about it that way, but it, there's. You can definitely draw the connections uh, between those seasons as you were. Yes, I listened to all of them in chronological order like three times today. So I feel like there's definite connections between those. (laughs) God, I I think I'm tired of Emory right now. (laughs) You came prepared. (laughs) Only because I wasn't prepared. So, but um, to be fair, I made my ten songs list like right now. So, all right. Let's let's dig in. All right, so let's do the album. So at seven is the week's end. I'm really sorry. Um, <laughs> and six is the question. I think only because I haven't spent enough time with them. It's the first time I listened to them today. I've listened to them probably about three and a half times. They have to be at the bottom. Well, here's um, what I want to know before you yeah. go any further. As somebody that is a huge fan of this band, what was it like? What were your feelings listening to their two most popular albums for the first time today? I mean, what what it's was that so- experience like? It's still just as familiar. Um, the question is, I think, a better album than The Week's End. I don't know if you agree with me on that. Um, since You'll you, have like, to wait and find out. I know. But I just feel like the question is just so much more cohesive. Um, like, even if you look at the Wikipedia page, I do a lot of research. Um, the question is on the back of the album, and it's where were you when I, and each of the song mm-hmm. titles... Um, like answered the question. So like, yeah. where, where were you when I was listening to Freddie Mercury, all that stuff. So I, I just like a fun concept just in general. I feel like that's something they're good at. Um, yeah. But yeah. Okay. So five is I'm only a man. Um, 2007. Four is in shallow seas. We sail, which is 2009. 
Three is Eve from last year. Two is We Do What We Want from 2011, and I have a funny story about that album. And uh, my number one is You Are Never Alone from 2015. All right. So talk about those top two, You Were Never Alone and We Do What We Want. How did those end up there? So I remember when We Do What We Want came out, which is something I was thinking about today when I was making dinner. Um, We had tacos tonight, by the way. It was like Taco Wednesday. Um, Nice. But I'm like chopping up some cilantro here. And I'm like, I remember the, like the day that album came out. And I feel like I've finally reached the point where the albums that have shaped me, like are getting older and it's making me feel old. You know what I mean? Mm. Like you guys are from a couple decades back. So I feel like you've already had that. No offense. Um, But like the albums that I'm like, when I think about what formed my musical taste, those are all turning nine, 10, 11 years old this year. Right. And it's just funny. It's like funny. Uh, let's see. Paramore's Paramore turned 10. Yeah. Brand new eyes turned 10. The almost one of their albums turned 10. Like, it's just, I don't know. Um, so I got, I was feeling a little emotional about that. Cause I hadn't mm-hmm. listened to, we do what we want in a while. Um, yeah. but yeah, that's like one of those albums. So I, so I got curse of perfect days off of the iTunes store. Um, I was in, avid iTunes store collector. My iTunes was like perfectly like configured and everything. It was great. Right. I, I pride and joy. Um, so I bought Chris of perfect days after I heard it on radio. You of course. And that same year, my dad decided that he didn't like the music I was listening to mm. in true, you know, evangelical fashion. Um, so now I want to say being older now, I understand what, you know, he was saying, cause he's never listened to this album and the cover is a Bible and it says, we do what we want, which is, you know, <laughs> I mean, a little, a little on the iffy side, but if you don't know Emery, like that can seem totally blasphemous, but if you listen to the album, it's actually not, um, yeah. it totally, it makes perfect sense when you like look at it and put the album together, but he didn't get that. So whatever. So I wasn't allowed to listen to Emery like forthcomingly for a little while. Yeah. That's a bummer. Um, yeah. It kind of was a bummer. So like, it was just funny. I remember when like we started to do it and it was like so upsetting to me. And I realized now he only deleted like 40 songs out of my like 5,000 song library. So <laughs> like, Oh, it's whatever. But when you're that young, it's just, things are different. But yeah. yeah. So that's a funny story about we do what we want. I still love that album. Um, but yeah. So number one is you were never alone, which I know we're going to differ on. So I listened to the Break It Down podcast where he went through every single track of this album. And I just feel like I know this album so well. I feel like that's why it's number one for me. Yeah. Like combined with just the the whole story of it, which is just, it's all like, it's like, it's literally all like Bible stories, but just kind of spun in a different way. Like the song What's Stopping You is about um, Mary and Joseph. And like, you read, you read the Bible and it's all about Mary and nobody ever talks about Joseph and like how he was feeling at that point in time of like his fiance being pregnant. And she's like, it's God. And he's like, well, maybe I guess. And you know, his whole like town is totally, you know, shunning them and you know what they want to do. And I just think it's like, that's what I love about Emory so much is the way that their perspectives, like, um, almost point to the less obvious, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's fascinating. I, I wasn't even aware of that about that album. And that's just an angle that I, I wouldn't have. So, I mean, that. So if you actually listen to those, that those break it down podcasts, like it, it gives you so, so like so much more of a clear 
um, view of what they were trying to do. So they didn't even talk about the fact that it was, you know, like biblically, wow, I can't even talk, biblically based until the last episode of, like, that series. Um, And in the rest of this, like, episodes, they just talked about the songs. They played the back, like, the demos and all that stuff. And it was just so fascinating to me um, that a band would let listeners in, like, that closely. Well, yeah, and this, like we talked about, this is a band that definitely lets people in and is, you know, they've got all their podcasts. I I remember when the question was re-released as a special edition, it came with a DVD that had like this really long documentary about the beginnings of the band and how they met each other and how they, they're, you know, they started out with life on the road and they had no money and they're, I mean, it was just, they always have been kind of an open book in that regard and telling the stories about why they're doing what they're doing. And that's always been a really cool thing that kind of sets this band apart as well. Um, So that's, um, yeah, that's that's really cool. And it's obvious that they're still really invested that way, even now with the fans, with everything they're, do- they're doing. So um, yeah. certainly not a, a band where you have to leave a lot to wonder if you don't want to, because um, they're they're definitely open to telling the story. So very cool. Very. Uh, you're right. We are going to be pretty different uh, on our rankings. But that was uh, this is good though. I, I like I like these conversations when we don't have the exact same list because it's kind of I think it's just better conversation that way. Um, so going from the the unpredictable to the probably very predictable, at least at the top, um, I'll start mine. And in last place is I'm only a man. And the really? funny, yeah, the funny thing about this album is when it came out in '07, it was such a departure from what they'd just done with the question and that album was just massive at the time. I mean, they were they were on Warp Tour that summer. The question elevated them into the upper echelon of scene bands at the time. Like, it just, it took them to another level. And so when they switched it up so much with I'm Only a Man, it was just jarring. And I remember that first single, uh, the party song, like, my friends and I, the same friends that were so in love with this band, we were just like, what are we listening to right now? What is this? And I just, I, I never bought that album um, now I've certainly listened to it and I, I'll share a, a track. It didn't make my top 10, but I'll share it as an audible mention once we get to the songs. But I, you know, it's, I wouldn't say I've warmed up to that album really, but it's an album. I'm, I'm definitely not like upset about it anymore. It's just a, it's an album that a band released and it's cool that the cover art was like a mirror. So you're looking at yourself. That's neat, I guess. But mm-hmm. yeah, that song or that album, there's just not a lot there for me. That's all that interesting. Uh, so in sixth place, I've got Eve again, it's just, it's the newness of it. And the fact that I'm probably not going to go back to it that much. Um, but there are some fun songs on there, um, that are, you know, pretty cool. It's a little bit long to me. Um, I feel like there's some filler in there, but overall I get what they're doing and, um, and it's, it's fine. Uh, above that is you were never alone. That felt like a comeback album for me. It probably ranks a little bit higher just because they'd been gone for, uh, a little bit by the time that released. And it was one of those things where I would say at that point, we didn't know whether we would get more Emory music. And the fact that Devin was back in the band too, was really cool um, because he had, he had left previously. And that's one thing we haven't talked about. One of the things that set this, this band apart is their ability to harmonize. Like what Toby and Devin do as vocalists in this band is something that really no other scene band like them has pulled off. Um, the the dual vocals and harmonies they do is just something super specific to them and having Devin back for that album was just really cool. Um, so I would say those bottom three are the albums that I just, 
I'm, I don't listen to very much and I don't plan to start listening to. Um, they're just there. Then I have a middle album and then I have my top three. So the middle album is we do what we want. Mm-hmm. Um, this album isn't as high because it's missing Devin. And I remember that being a big challenge for me at the time. Now, interestingly enough, they switched their style up enough that they could do something completely different than they'd done and not need Devin. Cause this is, this album has like metalcore elements. It's definitely yes. their heaviest album by far. And they actually pull it off pretty well. Um, and there's a lot of good songs on it. I still enjoy it, but it's not like top upper echelon Emory for me. So it's kind of, I'm kind of neutral on it, I guess, for the most part. It just kind of sits in the middle. And then the top three in Shallow Seas We Sail um, feels like a continuation of the question for me, which is good because it kind of still maintains that sound that they'd uh, found a couple years earlier. And it's got a lot of great tracks on it. But then really the this whole list to me just comes down to number two and number one. And I think yeah. a lot of people have this experience. Number two is the question already talked about it. It kind of captured an accessibility that uh, they didn't on their debut really kind of worked out the kinks um, and just kind of smooth things over. Plus the packaging is so fun. The way they did the album or the song titles is cool just all the way around. It's a, it's a solid album. And the fact that it's number two on my list probably diminishes the fact that it's literally one of my favorite albums of all time. The only reason it's not higher is because the week's end is without question, a top 10 album for me in my life. Um, that album, as I mentioned, I was obsessed with it when it came out. Um, it's, it's so much different than the rest of their music and that it is so raw. So they essentially recorded this, before they got signed to Tooth and Nail, it was kind of like their demo that that got mm-hmm. them signed. And when they went in, one of the fun things from that uh, DVD I was talking about, the documentary, they had essentially written five 10-minute songs. <laughs> and when they got in the studio, the producer was able to talk them into like breaking the songs in half and doing like 10 five-minute songs instead. There's no choruses, really. It's just like, it's it's perfectly encapsulates the 2003 scene and that, it was all over the place, time signature changes, just all this weird stuff that was happening that made it seem so cool. And at the time, they were doing that differently than really any other band. Like I mentioned, because they had like these sweet harmony moments that kind of clashed and collided against the really heavy stuff. Um, they were writing songs that didn't fit the typical song structure that you would expect. And this album, I'm, I'm willing to admit that it probably isn't. They've made better music since then, but it is absolutely my favorite album of theirs. And I, I just, I, I, I get choked up almost every single time I listen to songs on that album. It means that much to me. So, uh, yeah, there you go. That's my list. Probably super predictable, but that's it. A little bit. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, interesting stuff. And I, so, and I say all this, and I feel like. The guys in Emory seem super self-aware. They seem to understand the music that they're making now. Like they get that there's still fans that are just attached to those two albums. Like I saw them a couple years ago uh, on the 10 year anniversary tour for the question. They're actually coming to my neighborhood, like a few blocks from my house uh, next month on the, the date that my daughter is expected to be born. So I'm not going to be the, the, at the show, but they're doing like a 15 year anniversary tour for the week's end. So yep. they, they clearly understand the importance that these two albums have in their fan base and they continue to honor that while still making new music. And I think that's a really cool way to approach it. So yeah. let's, uh, let's dive into some songs. Um, you want to run through your top 10? 
Sure. All right. So number 10 is Salvatore Raita slash Alone from You Were Never Alone. Um, the way that those two songs like connect are just ridiculous. And we can talk more about the absolute genius that is Emery um, in the next segment, I believe. Give me a second. <laughs> All right, so nine is Piggy Bank Lies <clears throat> from In Chalices We Sail. Mm. And nice. eight is The Smile of the Face from In Chalices We Sail. Now, one. for an album that is my number four, I have the most songs in my list from In Chalices We Sail. Yeah, I wondered if that might happen. Yeah, and I don't know why. I don't know why. Well, like um, you said, it was kind of your introduction to the band. Yeah, so like, that, that must be it. Um, but I have, like, a really big like personal connection to the party song too, for some reason. I don't know why it's not even that particularly like great of a song. I don't think. And it's definitely depressing. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's, you know, life man playlists. Um, seven is thrash from you and ever alone. I think that's probably their hardest song they've recorded. Um, I would say yeah. um, it's, just, it's just, that album is just so good. Like lyrically, musically, it's just, it's perfect. Um, six is safe from Eve. I love that song. They wrote it for one of, uh, one of the guy's moms. I think it was Matt's. Um, she died of cancer and that's like the song that came out of it. And that's, it's just like such a beautiful song. Like yeah. what a great tribute. That's my favorite um, song from that album. So good. Uh, five is butcher's mouth, which mm-hmm. we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, nostalgia. Um, four is, the very lengthy, I'm not here for rage, I'm here for revenge. From oh, yes. uh, We Do What We Want. The last part of that song is so good. Like that last, um, it's not like really a bridge because the song kind of ends there. But kind of like the way that they leave it is just, again, talking about their genius later. Um, yeah. Three is The Perfect Days. Two is Edge of the World from In Shallow Seas We Sail. Oh, yeah. One is To the Deep from You Are Never Alone. Okay. Yeah. So I know, I know we have a different list. I yeah. know for sure. We definitely do. Uh, we have one song that both of us had on the list. So yeah, that, only- um, but really it comes down to most of my list is the weeks in and the questions. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> if you just listen to them today, uh, that they're probably not going to make the cut for your top right, 10. Exactly. Um, yeah, I did a couple honorable mentions mostly because i realized you know that i do like we do what we want there's just none of the songs that can crack the top 10 for me so i have the shovel glass and Mm -hmm. i never got to see the west coast uh as honorable mentions and then just for fun i threw in world away from i'm only man because it's like the one song from that album i can deal with (laughs) i i so and if you got into the band i guess when in chalices we sail came out which that was oh nine That's so the reason that album sounds so much like the question is because people were so upset about Mm -hmm. I'm only man. I mean that it was almost scandalous when it came out because it was so divisive and people were like, so like jarred by it that the, yeah, I think the song I hate the most on only a man is definitely don't bore us. Get to the chorus. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's not good. Listen, I love Emery. And I always appreciate when they want to like work outside the box and stuff, but oh my gosh, that song, I, that, the chorus of that song started and I was like, what the heck is this garbage? So I'm, I'm going to, yeah, another quick story. 
Um, I've seen Emory in concert multiple times now. They've been awesome every single time. But my favorite show there is, which is also one of my favorite shows ever, they did an acoustic tour. And this was after I'm Only a Man came out. They went on tour and mm-hmm. just played acoustically. And it was so beautiful the way they had the stage lit up and the way they translated. Their songs translate acoustically so well. Oh, I think I it's because of the harmonies and the and the melody that they create with, mm-hmm. even when it's heavy, that when they translate them to an, uh, an acoustic setting, it's just beautiful. But the, the cool thing about that tour, aside from hearing all these awesome songs performed that way, is that in between songs, they took questions from the crowd. So like people mm-hmm. would just like raise their hands and ask questions. And so many questions at this show were people <laughs> basically asking questions like, what the heck were you guys doing with I'm Only Man? <laughs> Which had just come out. And they were like literally like the whole half the night was them kind of like trying to explain themselves of what they were trying to do with that album. So it was just, it was a weird time uh, when that album came out, but you know, there you go. So uh, here we go with top 10. Uh, right. Number 10 left with alibis and lying eyes from the question, such an underrated song from that uh, album. Awesome chorus. I love yeah. the way the guitars sound on that track. It's just so cool. Uh, number nine is by all accounts today was a disaster. And the reason the song made the list is I have such amazing memories of singing this track with my friends that I lived in a house with while I was in college. There's a part in the bridge where Toby and Devin are harmonizing this line that goes, these broken animals, useless as they are. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I guess I could probably imagine what that line means, but it's like such an angsty emo teenager line and we would like try so hard like singing at the top of our lungs over and over these broken animals uses as they are so nick and mitch if you happen to listen to this i'm still thinking fondly of those days when we sounded like idiots um anyway uh number eight is listening to freddie mercury talked a little bit about the question about how they were kind of digging in on the whole uh, them kind of being held accountable for their faith by fans mm-hmm. that didn't know them. And that song is just really cool in that way. Um, and I love the final line of it's not our job to make anyone believe. Yeah. Everything about that track is just like so self-aware in that regard. Um, mm-hmm. Again, it felt super scandalous at the time amongst like Christian music fans, I think, but I always loved it and s- still think it's pretty good. Uh, number seven, Edge of the World. Um, awesome track it's i tend to like the tracks that devon kind of takes the lead on and this is one of those um really really fun song my favorite from chelsea's number six is returning the smile you had from the start this is just like signature emory in their wheelhouse at their best track three on the question it's just so good the screaming parts the melodic parts it's just perfect Number five is interesting because it's from an EP that came out before in Chelsea's You Sale called When Broken Hearts Prevail. And the song is called Ten Talents. It's another Devon song. And I love that song. Um, I'm not sure if you've listened to it, Nadia, um, or dug into that EP much. But it's like, I still don't understand how it didn't make the cut from Chelsea's We Sale because it's, it's the best song from that group of songs that they did. I am looking at the lyrics right now. Yes, I do remember this from uh, earlier today. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just me that likes it because I never hear people talk about it. Um, so if that's the case, that's fine. But I just really love I feel it. Like nobody really talks about that EP. Yeah, they really don't. I think it's because it it came out and then in Chalice's We Sail came out so quickly after. I, and again, in Broken Hearts We Prevail, I just feel like was smoothing things over with the fans after I'm Only Man. They just needed to get something out that kind of sounded like them again. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. what it was. So, uh, 
Number four, <laughs> ponytail parades. Right. Oh, I, what did you say? I said, I guess it's good I came in at that point, right? Right. <laughs> uh, so four, ponytail parades. Awesome track. Again, super emo, but a um, song that I, uh, you know, have shed some tears to back in the day. Number three is in a win-win situation. It's the final track on the question. It's one of the softest tracks they've ever written. And my God, those lyrics are just so good. It's basically written about like what it's like to be away from the person you love and feel like you're losing that connection and trying anything you can to be able to stay connected with that person. God, it's just so good. I, is that the 11-minute one? No, that's well, in a situation is the 11-minute one. Yeah, so it's... It's got like I think it's got like a bonus track at the end of it, so it's like okay. longer than it looks, or it looks longer than it actually is. But is that his wife at the end singing with him? I could not figure it out. I googled so many things. Yeah, good question. And my wife actually asked me that recently when we were listening to this, and I did not have the answer for it. So yeah, I don't know. it's a I mystery. Because I looked at like the credits for the album, and it doesn't have any name. Yeah, well, maybe if Emery's <laughs> listening to this, they can give us an answer. I was yeah. going to say, I almost like want to talk to Emery because I feel like if they saw it, they might listen to it. Not just because they're like full of themselves and want to hear about themselves, but I feel like they like, I almost like they hold their fans in such high regard that they'd be interested to see like what's going on, you know? Yeah. Like I say, Matt's been on the podcast before. Yeah, Who exactly. knows? Hi, Emery. Thanks for listening. Um, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, I love that song. Uh, and then number two is Walls, the first track I ever heard. Mm-hmm. It's got the best like opening 20 seconds of almost any song ever, just with mm-hmm. that okay. like crushing breakdown to start the song. It's incredible. And number one is Fractions. And this song is just so cool. It's really unlike anything else that they've done and unlike almost anything else I've heard. It's so eerie with the keyboards. Uh, there's a weird time signature change during like the final chorus that you don't expect. It's just kind of all over the place from a songwriting perspective, but it it's the way it kind of leaves you off kilter is what I love so much about it. It's almost like it's intentional with how weird it is, but man, that song is so cool. And there's a line that mentions coffee cake and I really love coffee cake. So um, there you go. That's, those are my top 10 Emory songs. Coffee cake song. Yeah. Did you yeah. notice that today when you listened to it? No, I'm looking at it. I'm listening for it. Oh, there it is. We watched the tide roll in with cold air and coffee cakes. Yeah. All right. That's something we can all relate to. That's like a Wonder Years line, isn't it? I Remember the yeah. Clementines or whatever? Yeah. All right. Songs about food. Fun. Um, Very good. So let's, yeah, you wanted to talk about the genius of Emery. Let's go back. Let's talk about like, you know, I talked a little bit about from my perspective, but from your perspective, what is it that sets this band apart from their peers for you? I think it's everything. I feel like they kind of, I know I said this about every band who make a podcast about, but it's because they only do podcasts about the band I really, really love and admire. <laughs> and that's why I always feel this way. They raise the bar every time. All right. They, they are so intentional lyrically, musically. Like they just, I don't know. They're just geniuses, really. Yeah. Like the fact that I, I was, I, I'm like a little, I have a little bit of a cold. I'm sorry. I'm like totally sniffling everywhere. Um, the, I, I was listening to one of the songs today and I can't remember which one it was now. I know I should have written it down, but I didn't. Um, but there's this one, like the, I was looking at the lyrics as I listened to each track to kind of give myself some more, you know, context or whatever. 
And I noticed that when the, in the in-between sections where there's like some yelling and some singing, like all that stuff, it's almost like if you play, if you isolated the vocals and you played either the harsh vocals or the clean vocals, you have like two different songs. Like, do they connect? Yeah, heck yeah, they connect. But like, I just feel, I don't know, they just always, they always raise the bar. That's all I want to say. Well, I think the thing that speaks the highest of them is the fact that both of us feel like this was a coming-of-age band for us, and it was different eras of that band, right? I mean, this is a band for me that, with The Week's End, opened up my mind to like the different ways that a song could be structured and the way that you could write music. And you had that experience with music of theirs later on. It's like the fact that they've developed a catalog that can impact people in that way through different time periods is really impressive i know so i don't know i i really and again this is a band that you know and i i get that there's people that probably aren't as crazy about the the faith stuff with them or maybe they lay it on a little bit too thick for some people but in general i feel like this is a pretty revered band in the scene yeah. and a band that a lot of people respect and and which is why they're still around and people are still kind of digging into new music they put out so to that point let's talk about emory land because this is something like i knew they'd put out the cp and they were working on a new album i did not know about emory land and you were informing me of this before we started so why don't why don't you explain it so, all right, let's let's try to like get my foggy head together. They crowdfunded "You Were Never Alone" and "Eve" to begin with. So yeah. those were their they end, they left Tooth and Nail and they crowdfunded both of those albums. Obviously, everybody really liked it. They got funded like way over what they were planning on. So apparently, they decided to take like that success that they've been like gaining with their own releases to create almost like a subscription service kind of like what um kind of like what the wonder years is doing too i feel like that's kind of a good like gauge for i feel like we're kind of where music is going i feel like everybody's getting kind of tired of the whole record label thing um because literally it says welcome to emeryland times have changed and the old way of releasing albums is no longer ideal so i mean that's basically it. So why is this better? No more disappearing to write an album. We'll make it right in front of you on Twitch, which I don't know how I feel about that. That's weird. Um, that is interesting. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't feel. I feel like I wouldn't want to watch somebody produce an album in front of me. I guess I don't know, but that's just me. So it's a subscription service. There are three packages. It's three dollars a month, five a month, or ten. And so I guess you're gonna get the new EP, which is supposed to come out next year. I guess it's four songs long. The lyrics are already on Genius because whoever has already gotten their package obviously has already received the, the EP. And then they're going to release another EP each quarter. And I guess that... I'm thinking maybe that EP is going to be the new album. Because it says full length sent digitally two weeks before release. Maybe I'm not... Let me let me look at the other, the other email I got from Emory. I mean, that's pretty prolific if they're making an EP every quarter and they're going to make a whole new full-length album. But, I mean, one way or another, it's it's fascinating and it's clearly working. They've got the backing to do this. Exactly. And it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, well, I was telling you earlier, their goal was $500 and they're 3,114% funded. Um, so clearly this is what people want. Yeah. These guys are super savvy. Um, and one of the things, one of the 
you know, another reason I love them that I haven't mentioned. I obviously love podcasting. It's a very, it's my favorite thing to do. It's one of the, you know, my favorite things in life is podcasting. This was a band that figured that out of what that could mean, like as a business venture before anybody else, like any other bands were doing that. I mean, now there's all kinds of like music podcasts and stuff by different bands you know shane told has the lead singer syndrome there's a lot of cool stuff out there but emory was really purveying all of this before it was a thing um mm-hmm. and they seem to do that they seem to kind of be like willing to pivot and move in a direction that people haven't gone yet to see if it'll work um and they're obviously super smart at pulling it off because they keep doing it so i this is just one of those bands that's really interesting to talk about for so many different reasons like that exactly like they're just so smart with like the things that they decide to do like because you know they wouldn't have decided to create Emeryland if they didn't think it was going to work out you know what i mean they're not yeah. like they're not that kind of band who like okay maybe we'll try this maybe this will work like no they have talked about this for months and they haven't mentioned anything and now they're like all right this is going to work out and here it is yeah. you know what i mean Definitely. i just feel like they're very intentional with what they do and again, you know, we're, we are mm-hmm. seeing a scene revival in some ways where a lot of bands are kind of getting back together and having success. But there's also a ton of bands from kind of the heyday of Emory in that early to mid-2000s period that are gone and you really don't hear from anymore. Mm-hmm. The fact that Emory has kind of maintained themselves in that conversation for so long is really impressive. Um, and it's super cool to see that. You know, I when I think of this band, when I think of like the Weeks End and the Question, I think of kind of that tooth and nail early 2000s heyday with Under Oath and Emery and Dead Poetic and Showbread and He Is Legend mm-hmm. and Anne Berlin. And there were all these bands uh, kind of at this time period. And all of them were so unique in their own way. Um, and Emery, you know, Under Oath's my favorite band of all time. And I love all the bands I just listed off. But Emery feels like maybe the weirdest and most interesting of all of those bands from a career trajectory standpoint. Definitely. I was going to say, cause I feel like showbread's more interesting, like than Emory musically, but they obviously they didn't last longer than Emory, even though they really, they only ended like a year ago. Their last album yeah. is called showbread, show dead. Right. Yeah. Showbread boy, maybe we should do a showbread podcast too. Um, that, that would be interesting. It would be similar to this one for me where it would be the early yeah. stuff that I'm most into, but they went through exactly. a lot of phases as well. Um, yeah, their last album was from 2016, so even that's not really new. Like, that's been a while, yeah. you know? So have you seen Emery in concert? No. Here's the problem, all right? And Emery, if you're listening, listen up, because this one's for you, all right? They never, ever come anywhere near me. The closest they will come, I think, is maybe NYC. Um, and if there's no NYC show, the closest one is Philadelphia. And I think that's really rude. I think I just assumed everybody came to Boston. Is that not the case? Some people hate Boston, and I don't know why. It's really terrible. Hey, Emory, come to Boston, please. <laughs> so there was, they, did, they just did a tour. All right, listen, I'm about to get a little, a little sassy here. All right, they just did a tour with, who was it? It was Emory, it was the classic crime, and I think it was As Cities Burn. And they, they didn't come see me. All right, and I think that's terrible because I love all of those bands. And, you know, I speak very highly of them and I think they should repay the favor and come give me a concert. But Yeah. Well, hopefully one of these days. I'm trying to think. I've I've seen Emory with so many different bands at this point. Um, They always go on like weird tours. Yeah, they've definitely had a wide array of different 
touring partners. Um, but and they kind of I feel like they kind of do a follow up thing where they kind of intentionally pick people who are kind of yeah like on the sidelines, not only for their own like fan game, but I think just because they enjoy like other types of music. Yeah, you know what I mean, definitely. Well, uh, Emory is a heck of a band, and uh, it was fun to kind of break down their discography. Um, break it down. Yeah, break it down, just like Matt Carter on his podcast <laughs> and the nine other podcasts that they have. So exactly. cool. Um, well, this has been fun, and uh, we'll have this up uh, soon enough for all of you. I mentioned on the last podcast uh, that we've got some fun interviews coming your way. Those are still on the way, so stay tuned for those. Uh, we're also going to have a crossover episode with a new podcast I just launched called Decade Rewind, uh, which I'm really excited to share with everybody. Uh, if you like our podcast and we have uh, our good pal Brock Benefiel on, I think you're really going to love that as well. And if you're not listening to Decade Rewind yet, check it out. Uh, you know, Pull it up on your favorite podcast app or go to the Apple Podcast app and search for Decade Rewind and subscribe and review and all that fun stuff. Um, otherwise come visit us at it's all We look forward to seeing you there. Uh, that's going to do it for now. Nadia, thank you for joining tonight. Thank you for letting me gush about another band. Anytime. All right. That's it. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the it's all dead podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Then visit us at it's all for the latest music news reviews and much more. 